Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, that's what I call church. Woo. <laughs> I'm fired up. Y'all sit down. <laughs> I'm going to stand up for you, okay? That work? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm telling you what. We can't praise God enough. I don't care who you are, what you're doing, what kind of circumstance you go through. If you praise God, like y'all praise God, God's going to reward you for it. He's going to bless you. You honor him, he's going to honor you. That's just what he promised, and that's what he does. Uh, you know, some of y'all might have been here the first service this morning. Uh, some of y'all weren't, I noticed. We got a lot more here. And I'm fired up about it, I guarantee you. I brought a rod and reel up here with me this morning. I don't know what for. I carried it around. I never did do anything with it. And I know a lot of y'all that might have been here this morning. And no, there ain't nobody stayed listening to me twice. I know that. So, okay. All right. Matt had to. <laughs> but uh, but uh, wondering, I don't know if he knew, knows how to use that rod and reel or not. I'm going to take just a second. I didn't come here to talk about fishing at all. I come here to talk about Jesus and what God's doing in my life and do, does in my life every single day. But I thought since I got a rod and reel up here, um, I might as well do a little bit with something with it. And I heard one of the preachers up here earlier said he didn't know how to fish. And I didn't know what somebody said. Who was that said that? You don't have to raise your hand. You can. That'd be fine. <laughs> I already ragged on the drummer, the drummer not being here this morning. Yeah, I miss the drummer. My granddaughter plays drum in our praise band at church, and I miss the drummer because I, my, well, when I'm in church during the, the praise songs, my eyes glued on that drummer. But that's because it's my granddaughter. I might not have been looking at him quite the same. <laughs> just, just saying. But, uh, but, but since I got a fishing rod, I want to teach y'all something really quick about fishing. It's not going to take long, but it'll help you catch more fish. Anybody want to hear that? Yeah, that's right. That's a good deal. And I want to teach you how to pitch. Now, that's what pitching looks like right there. That's, and I might, I might hook that carpet. But that's what pitching pitch. Don't worry. I'm dead accurate with it. No, no don't worry. I'm dead accurate. I'm more dead than I am accurate, but, but, uh, but anyway, I'm going to teach you how to do that. That's called pitching. That's a technique that is called, and it's a way and to, uh, to get the bait out there. It's a way to get the bait out there. <laughs> yeah, and see, if he, see, he never flinched. He believed every word I said. Good. <laughs> uh, I've got the hook cut off of it, or it would hang in the carpet. I know that that got pretty close to your nose down there a minute ago. Like about that? I forgot to cut the hook off of that one. <laughs> I haven't hooked anybody doing any kind of fishing talk in years. You know, I have nothing to worry about. I hooked a lady down in Abilene, Texas one time quite a few years ago. We were doing fishing seminars in colleges. They actually had a course you could take in college and get an adult credit for taking a fishing course. It cost like $200, and they hired some of us to come in there and do that. And we was in a big auditorium down at Abilene in a college down there, and we had about six or 800 people that had paid that money to go learn about fishing. They were writing down notes and, and, and about things we told them about lures and colors and things and trying to learn how. And I, was t I had a little spinnerbait on like that, and I was just chunking it down the aisle and winding it in because I like to do that. To me, that is fun, throwing that thing out there and winding it back in. That's a lot of fun. Uh, if you fish, you learn to enjoy doing that right there because that's mostly what fishing is, throwing it out, winding it back in. You get a fish on the other end of it, that's a bonus. That's an extra deal. Learn to have fun, throwing it out, winding it back in. Isn't that right, Steve? <laughs> learn to have fun, throwing it out, wind it back in. And I was doing that and talking about things, and I wasn't paying any attention and uh, I was throwing it down the middle of a real narrow aisle, and I, I, just as I pitched that little spinnerbait back there, there was a lady about five or six rows back that was taking notes and writing stuff down. And just as I threw my spinnerbait out there, I looked over at a pretty girl or something, and that lady dropped her pencil, and it rolled out in the aisle. And she bent over to pick it up just as my little spinnerbait come flying out there. And it kindly hooked her in the ear just a little bit. <laughs> It didn't hook her real badly at first, but, <laughs> but I guess it must have scared her or something because she jerked her head. When she did, I set the hook. I mean, you go jerking around on the end of my pole, something's going to happen, I guarantee you that. And it's the best thing I'd have had a hold of, and I don't know how long. I just kept on winding, you know. And uh, I got her up there at the front, and, uh, 
and we took a pair of wire pliers, you know, that you cut wire with, wire pliers, W-I-R-E, wire pliers. Wire pliers, and a, the bait had stuck all the way through her ear. I got a pretty good hook set. And, uh, and so we just took a pair of wire pliers and cut the end of that off, and it come right out, and it didn't hurt her real badly at all. And uh, it didn't hurt me a bit, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I th- it, it was embarrassing. I mean, I was so embarrassed. I'd never done anything like that. I was so embarrassed. And I think it embarrassed her worse because the moment that I hooked her, somebody hollered, talk about catching a hog. <laughs> and <laughs> that was her husband that said that. She's madder at him than she was at me, I guarantee you. And, uh, and, and but we got it out, and there was no harm done. It ruined a really good spinnerbait. I didn't like that. But, uh, but, but, but some of you guys out there, if that bait was to land in your lap, I would sit real still. <laughs> I wouldn't make any sudden movements or anything. But okay, I want to teach you real quick, real quick how to pitch. That's what pitching looks like right there. You see them doing it on these fishing tournaments. That's the way that most fishermen deliver a lure out there to the fish right now because it's down low, it's uh, more accurate, you'll become more accurate pitching than you do anything else. And it's so easy to learn how to do. It's easier than falling in love. That's how easy it is. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Take your rod and reel. Get your uh, bait in between your first eye and your reel up here. Take your bait in your hand like I've done right here. This is how you learn how to pitch. Remember this part, bait between here and here. Don't have it hanging down below the reel. Don't have it hanging up here somewhere. Bring it down so it's hanging between this eye and the reel. Got your bait in your hand. Now here's how you learn how to pitch. It's all done with your wrist. All pitching, all casting, all flipping is all done with your wrist. You gotta have your wrist limber. Yeah, some of these guys out in California might be able to do this easy, I don't know. (laughs) Only in a church can you say that and not get thrown in prison or something. You know, (laughs) isn't it terrible? Isn't it terrible? I believe what the Bible says, that's what I believe. But anyway, anyway, you're doing it all with your wrist. Okay, here's what you wanna do. You'll get your bait in your hand, like we have right here. You'll put your rod tip down, like I've done here. Here's how you learn how to pitch. Drop the bait, raise the rod with your wrist. That's all you do. That's it. That's how easy and simple it is. Got your bait in your hand, rod tip down. I'm just going to drop the bait, raise the rod. That's how you learn how to pitch. It's very simple, easy to do. You learn how with a casting reel like I'm doing right now. You learn how with a spinning reel. It's actually easier with a spinning reel, the bale-type spinning reels. It's actually easier that than it is a casting reel. But that, that's how you learn how to pitch right there. Very simple, very easy to learn how to do. Once you kind of learn how to do that, this is something you can go home and practice in your yard, in your living room. Set you a target up there like a, a coffee cup or something out there that you're going to pitch your spinnerbait or jig or something into. Set a coffee cup out there. And some of you might want to start with a can of coffee come in, a little bit bigger target, or a minute bucket. <laughs> Number three, wash tub, I don't care, set something out there. But, uh, but set your target up out there and, and practice pitching. It don't matter if you hit in it, you're going to start learning how to hit right around it. And, but then once you learn how, once you get home and you learn how to do that, you say, by golly, that's right, that's pretty easy. Jimmy taught me something really good. Eliminate the part of catching it in your hand. Catching it in your hand is only to learn how. That's only to learn how. So you want it, you're doing the exact same thing. You're bringing a bait to the exact same spot, and you are, uh, you're already you're pitching it out there. I've already caught that one. <laughs> I've already caught that one. All right, so that's how, you learn, that's how you learn how to pitch. All right, let's talk about what I come here to, to, uh, to, to talk about. Uh, I serve a living, risen Savior. I serve a God that's alive. I serve a God that's at work in my life every single day for my benefit, to do something that will help me. And, uh, and I like to talk about what God is doing in my life, and God is always doing in my life. And I could stand here until the sun sets this evening and tell you stories about, miraculous stories about things that God has done in my life. I, I don't have a, a fantastic testimony. I've, I've heard testimonies from guys that rolled up their sleeves and they show you needle marks. And they talk about being homeless and bums and down in the dumps. And I, I, I've seen people talk about being alcoholics and beating their wives and kids and, and doing all kinds of crazy things. I, I, I had a, a, a guy, actually a, a, a professional fighter. You would know the name if I mentioned it. I, I won't but, uh, because of what I'm about to tell you. But, but he told me when he was growing up, and he was a, a heavyweight fighter and, and turned into a great Christian man, told me when he was growing up, what he wanted to do was he wanted to be in the mafia in Chicago, and he was in training to be in the mafia in Chicago, 
And he's a boxer. He's a professional boxer, made millions of dollars doing it. But is the mafia. And I, I said, what, what did he said? I was in training. I said, training to be in the mafia, like going to school. He said, oh, yeah, you got to train to do certain jobs. And I said, what what kind of job was you training to do? And I'm thinking, you know, big guy, got his hands are like this big, you know. And, and I said, you know, it must have been training like you go beat people up. They don't pay the mafia money. And he said, I was training to be a hitman. Now, that's a testimony. God saved him from killing people, from killing people. So I don't have any kind of testimony like that. I was, I, was uh, I mentioned this morning, I was what they used to call a drug kid. It's different now when you say drug kids because my mom and daddy drugged me to church every time the church doors opened. <laughs> and I was a drug kid. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, prayer meeting, Wednesday night, you know, revivals, church singings. It didn't matter. We, we were drugged to church all the time. Good thing we lived close to church, but we did. And, uh, and, and I got saved when I was 12 years old. I never knew anything but church all of my life. We've raised our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids in church who have never known anything but it. My dad was a Baptist deacon. I'm a Baptist deacon. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. And, uh, and I, I, I learned all the songs. I did vacation Bible school, False Creek. False Creek's right over there by my ranch. And I uh, went to False Creek every year, you know, at False Creek Baptist camp. And uh, so I was raised in church. I got saved at 12 years old uh, in a little Baptist church where a preacher, his name was Brother Hagger. He had big silver hair, big silver hair, and he had... Uh, didn't have as much hair as I got, but he had a lot of hair. <laughs> but, uh, but, but he had big silver hair. He was a big, robust preacher. Did a lot of fellowshipping back in those days, so the preachers got pretty robust. And, and they, had to be, they, they had to be that because we didn't have sound systems and, and television screens and lights going around and all this great stuff that we have, have now to worship God with. Uh, they had to be loud. They had to be able to preach and, and had to have big voices. And... Uh, we didn't have anything like we, we've got nowadays. And he was one of those guys that he, they called him back then hellfire and brimstone preachers. You heard of those? He preached about hell. He probably preached about heaven. I, honestly, I don't remember any of those sermons. But he preached about hell. And he made hell as real as hell really is. Hell is a real place. It's a real place where demons cast you into that. Now, I'm a fisherman. I fished all my life. I used to, at Moore, Oklahoma, I'd, I'd ride my bicycle to all the ponds around within miles of my house and go fishing. And as that preacher was preaching that sermon about hell and talking about lakes of fire, it's one of the ways it's described in the Bible, a lake of fire, I could see those ponds that I fished on fire. I could visualize that in my mind. And I can visualize some of my buddies going down there and throwing me into that lake of fire. And, and it became as real as it really is. And I walked down that aisle and told that preacher that I wanted Jesus to be my Savior. I did not want to go to hell. And that took a lot of courage for a boy that was raised in church since he could walk to say a word like hell to a preacher. That was a dirty word. That's a nasty word. It's a cuss word back then. I know it's different now, but that was a, that was a cuss word. You didn't... You got your mouth washed out with soap if you said something like that, you know. So it took courage even to say that word. And, but at that moment, God saved me. At that moment, God did what he claimed he could do. I became a saved, born-again Christian. God put his Holy Spirit inside of me. I didn't know a lot about the Holy Spirit then. I just didn't want to go to hell. God set mountains of blessings in front of me that he would pour down upon me during my lifetime. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't care anything about it. All I cared about was that Jesus was going to save me from going to hell. I wasn't really thinking about, you know, at 12 years old, you've done a lot of bad things in your life that you didn't think was bad, but you got whippings. We got whippings back when I was a kid. By the way, kids, mom and dad used to do that. And, he's, and my, my mom and dad both say, son, this is hurting me worse than it is you. I didn't see how his hand was hurting worse than, but, but I wasn't really thinking about the fact that the bad things that I'd done that I just needed to repent and tell Jesus I was sorry for. It was easy to do that. I've been telling my dad I was sorry for a lot of things all my life. So it was easy for me to tell Jesus that, but didn't really realize how, what the impact of that was that he was going to stand in front of his father, Almighty God, 
and claim me as righteous. Not only claim me as righteous at 12 years old, but righteous all the sins that I paid, that I committed from the end of 20 and to 30 and to 40 and on. Every drop of Jesus' blood covered those sins. That's the one thing we got. The blessings, the blessings. I had no idea about blessings and getting saved. I just didn't want to go to hell. But God set a mountain of blessings on top up there that he's given me throughout my lifetime. And, and, and the Bible promises he'll do that for every Christian. If you get saved at a later age, you're probably not going to have quite a big mountain as you do when you're little. And, but you, and, and we don't get all the blessings, I don't believe, that God has on that mountain. I think we cheat ourselves out of a lot of them. I know without a doubt, I've cheated myself out of a lot of blessings. I'm probably, probably the only disappointment I'll have when I get to heaven is God will say, by the way, Jimmy, you see that big mountain there? <laughs> Those were yours. God, I don't remember that one. No, nope. here's why you didn't get that one, son. <laughs> yeah, he might do that. I don't know. I think the, the way that Christians cheat themselves out of blessings easily is by not tithing. Isn't that something? Oh, that's a scary subject, isn't it? Yeah, by not tithing. Most Christians don't tithe. And I know that because used to, we don't do it anymore, but used to, and Chris and I have been to hundreds of Baptist churches and other denominations all over, over this nation, just visiting the churches on Sunday while we was at tournaments. But they used to have these little boards up that told how much people gave in offerings. Yeah, I mean, y'all go to churches like that? Yeah. I, I bought some for our church one time because I wanted them up there. And they put them up there about two weeks, and a preacher come and took them down. And I, I always wondered, and I, and, but, but, I, but as, a, as a kid, I would sit around and look at that, and I, and, and I would see how much the offerings was for the week. And I'd look around all the people in there, and I'd, I'd think, my gosh, how are all these people getting by on $82 a week? How are they doing that? <laughs> and how are they driving those new pickups out there with all them boats on behind them today? Yeah, that's really cool. How they do that on $82 a week? Uh, well, they wasn't tithing. That, that's how. And, and, you know, God doesn't need our money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's what it says in the Bible. He owns all the hills and all the cattle. You drive from Murray County to here, you see a lot of little hills, and, and you see a lot of cattle. There's a lot of cattle on them. God doesn't need the money. That's just a way that he uses to bless us. He uses that to bless us. You can't outgive God. You can't do it. I know people that have tried. You know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But that's one of the ways. We cheat ourselves out of blessings by the way we treat each other, uh, the way that we talk to our husband or our wife or our kids, our friends, our boss, the way we talk to people we don't even know driving down the highway. They can't even hear us, and yet we're saying bad things to them. Yeah. And God's, God can hear us, though, when we say that. We, we can even cheat ourselves out of blessings by thinking bad thoughts. Um, it's scary to think and know that God knows what we're thinking. I think about that a lot of times when I'm having thoughts that I know I don't want God listening in on, but he is. I can remember when my daughter Sherry, and by the way, my daughter Sherry and her husband Jack is here with us, and uh, my beautiful wife Chris, uh, sitting there, and I'm tickled to death that they come here with me today on Father's Day. I think that's the only reason they came. <laughs> but that's good. That's, that's reason enough. But I can remember back when she was about, I don't know, 14, 15 years old, and they, 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 they studied that in Sunday school. And she told me, Dad, do you know that God knows what we're thinking? And I said, yeah, God does know what we're thinking. She said, well, if he already knows... We might as well go ahead and do it. And I said, no, no, baby. No, 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 no. That's not. What, I got a 14, 15-year-old daughter. I knew what some of the things she was thinking about. <laughs> no, no, you don't just go ahead and do it. So, uh, but, but anyway, we do cheat ourselves out of blessings by doing that. I would imagine, without a doubt, I've cheated myself out of more blessings than God's given me. And God's given me lots and lots and lots of blessings. And I could give you example after example after example of how that's worked in my life. Some of them are remarkable stories, remarkable stories, stories that could only happen had God not been involved with it. I've, I'm a big Bible reader. I read the Bible completely through every single year. I've done it since I was 
24, 25, 26 years old. I don't know exactly the year I started. I wish I did, but I was like in my mid-20s. And, and Chris bought me a, a, one of those daily Bibles that you read all year, you read a little bit every day. At the end of the year, you read the whole Bible. And I'd never read the whole Bible completely through, so Chris bought me one for Christmas. And, uh, and I, I did the next year. I started January 1. I read the thing all the way through. And I was so proud of myself. I mean, I was bragging to my buddies and, and everybody. All, everybody in the family knew. And everybody probably thought, I wish you'd quit reading that book, you know. But, uh, but I, and, and, and so I was so proud of myself for doing it. Uh, and then, so Chris bought me another one for Christmas this, the next year. And she's been doing that every year for over 50 years now. And, uh, and it's amazing. And, and you begin to realize that, that it's, it's almost sinful to call that a book. It is the living Word of God. And when you read it 30, 40, 50 times through and more, you realize how living it is. And you realize how it's made for every situation that happens in your life. We serve such a powerful, mighty God that you can take that Bible, you can take His Word, because I've done it. And you can be having a problem or something you're going to. And you just say, God, I need some help. And you open that book. And you just look down there and God will direct your eyes to that help. He'll do it. He'll do it. I've seen it over and over and over and over. It is the living word of God. It's meant for today and tomorrow and, and, and all the other time. It, it just, it, it's amazing how it works. So reading the Bible is a big deal. When you spend a little bit of time with God, just a little bit of time with God, every single day, He will do amazing things in your life because He knows you're spending that little bit of time. We've written a couple daily devotionals, and they're dramatically hard to write. I, I, I wrote the first one, and I swore to myself, and I was lying because I wrote another one, that I would never, ever, ever write another daily devotional. 365 days, 365 scriptures, and I wrote one back in 2005 and finally got talked into writing another one. We did one called Catch a Better Life. We had that on a YouTube channel. Somebody mentioned that. And uh, it's at 5 o'clock every morning. We post that daily devotional for that day and Catch a Better Life. So I just read it right out of that book. I add a little bit to it every day. I might talk a little bit more about the scripture or the fishing uh, devotional, devotional built around fishing, or the fishing tip. Got a fishing tip for every day also. We got that on a YouTube channel called Catch a Better Life by Jimmy Houston, and, uh, but, uh, but, but I wrote that, and, and I want to, and, and, and by the way, and I, I forgot to do this, I want to do it, I told somebody, I don't know, did I lose my phone? I must have, I must have left it laying out there, I told somebody I got, I got a message from God, and I wanted to read it to, to you, and I forgot it, if it's out there, I don't know, it's insured, <laughs> it's a 13, I have to wait till I get, they come out with a 14 before I can, Tell them I lost it. <laughs> the way you get the new one, baby. <laughs> Y'all do that too, don't you? No. Uh, I've only dropped one phone in the lake. That's it. One phone. That's, I mean, y'all have dropped more than that. I've only dropped one phone in the lake. But, 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 but anyway, uh, this mountain of blessings that God has for all of us, he'll dole out day by day by day. Day by day by day. And, and like I said, I could give you example after example. I mentioned an example this morning. I talked about that video up there that had that Chevy truck. We got fired by Chevrolet after 32 years on the Chevy truck team. And I could tell you the story of how it happened, but, but let me just hit a little highlight or two because it is amazing what's happened since and just how God does things. Just how God, thank you, Jack. Sherry's purse, yeah. That's where all my money is, too. Sherry's purse, my daughter. Uh, when I said I got a word from God, I, I'm just going to throw this in here. It has nothing to do with what I was talking about. Remind me where I was. This, is, this letter came from a girl named Patty McCallan. We get thousands and thousands of comments on our social media. We got like 600,000 people on Facebook and about 140,000 on YouTube. And this lady sent me this note early this morning. I just looked at four or five is all I looked at. And, it, and this is just tell you how great God is. Those of you who don't know how great God really is, I need to read this because to me, this was almost a letter direct from God himself. Patty McCallan, I have no idea. I know her not other than from right here. Coming on another cerebral anniversary, questioning myself on the value of my existence. Any of y'all ever do that? 
I've done that. Questioning myself on the value of my existence brings a resounding, booming echo in my spirit that I was made for such a time as this. I was made, God made me, for such a time as this. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this. In 1981, the doctors told me to go home, get my things in order, because I only had one year left to live. I remember a king in the Bible had sort of that same, same experience. Well, God had other plans. I now have two grown wonderful sons who I'm so proud of, fantastic grands that I love to pieces, and of course, great friends. God is so good. If you're reading this, I want to say this is a crazy year. $5 gasoline. No baby food on the shelves. They don't tell them what this country will run out of. What you will not be able to buy that you've bought all your life and never thought of it ever a shelf being empty. I believe that clinging to Jesus and his mother is the only certainty we have to cover yourself in his precious blood. And I know you will go out and be a blessing to others the way you have been to me. You were made for such a time as this. This lady's writing this to me. She doesn't even know me other than a, looking at it through an internet channel. And God says hurrah. You think about, yeah, I've never thought about God saying hurrah. Can I tell you some of the things you're doing out there day by day by day? Praising God in front of people, smiling at people, being nice to somebody, helping somebody. I didn't get the whole story, but my daughter Sherry told me somebody walked up there and gave her a $20 bill. Said the next person comes by here that you think needs this book, give it to him. Didn't even tell me the person's name. I think when that guy did that, God said, hurrah. Way to go. That's my man down there doing that to help somebody he'll never, ever know this side of heaven. I think things like that will be told to you in heaven. I think one of the things that when you get to heaven that you'll be astounded by is somebody you've never laid eyes on, perhaps, will come up there and say, I've been waiting on you to get here just to tell you, you're the reason I'm here. We're not the reason anybody's there. Jesus is the reason anybody's there. But we told them about Jesus. We might have told them about Jesus by just being friendly to them. We might have been that man. We've done book signings and had people. I had a lady, I had a lady come to a book signing one time in Muskogee, Oklahoma. She stood in line to get the, the first time, and then I noticed she got, and she got about five books when, when she, she stood in line. And she came back, and I said, did you forget somebody? And she said, I was down there in Sears, back when they had Sears, you know. And so I was down there, and there was a young man helping me in there, and he just seemed really, really troubled. And I got to talking to him a little bit, and he said, well, I'm a little upset. I love to fish. And Jimmy Houston's down there signing books. And I, I, I just, I, I'm not going to get to meet him. I want to go meet him. I love to fish. And she said, uh, well, he's, he's getting books. Do you want me to go down there and buy a book for you? He said, I'd love to have that book, but man, I'd, I'd spend every penny I got to take care of my wife, and I don't have any money. The lady walked all the way back down to the other end of the mall, bought a book, took down to that boy, signed his name to it. To my knowledge, I've never seen that boy again, but I will one day. I will one day. God says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Happy Father's Day. Now, to me, that was a message direct from God. I, I thought when I read it, I got to share that. I got to share that because we all, have, we all have doubts sometimes about what we're here for. We all feel pretty worthless at times. Can I tell you, at times we are pretty worthless. I know I am for sure. I was talking about that deal with Chevrolet. We got fired off that Chevy truck team. I told him this morning I've got a couple verses that I hang my hat on. I've, I, I, so many verses I, I, in the Bible are my favorite verses. I don't know how you can have a hundred favorite verses or whatever, but so many of them mean so much to me, and I just cling to them every day as I walk through this life. But, but one is, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called 
That means that God chose us, are called according to his purpose. All things work. And we got fired by Chevrolet. That's one of those all things. Some of y'all have been fired. Some of you maybe recently as we went through this pandemic. Uh, but even that, God will take and work together for your good. All things. Sicknesses, illnesses, death. Work together for your good. And the other verse that's really one of my favorites is back in Ephesians 3.20. And it said, God has the power to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think for. That means beyond our wildest imagination, God has the power to accomplish it. So when you think that God's going to take all things and work it together for our good, and you put that together with he's got the power to do more than you could ever dream Beyond your wildest imagination, he's got the power to accomplish that. And can I tell you, I've seen him accomplish that in my life. I've seen him do that. The deal with Chevrolet, we got fired by Chevrolet after being on a Chevrolet fishing team for 32 years. It was a crushing blow. To a redneck like me, I'll just tell you one thing. They gave us a brand new truck to drive all the time. So some of you rednecks think about that, how much you'd hate to lose that deal. Yeah. Yeah, you get to drive a new truck. You get to pick out the most expensive, fanciest suburban or pickup they got. And just tell them, this is what I want. <laughs> Don't get to pick out the color. They were all black. I love black. <laughs> but, uh, but they, and, and they paid our entry fee in tournaments. Entry fees in national tournaments, $5,500. It's a pretty big sponsor. You know what I'm saying? It was the most prestigious team in all of fishing. Biggest names in fishing on there. Names I could throw out there and you'd probably recognize about every single name. They fired us over a conference telephone call. Some of the guys cussed them out. Uh, some of the guys got really angry. Some of them started crying. One guy started crying because he had to quit tournament fishing because of it. He had lost another big sponsor. When it came around to my turn, they asked me, he said, Jimmy, do you have anything to say? And I said, yeah. I said, how long do we get to keep our trucks? <laughs> and it uh, <laughs> was about October. The, what, the guy at Chevrolet said, we hadn't really thought about that. And I said, can we keep them to Christmas? He said, y'all can keep them after Christmas. So we didn't have to turn them back in until January. But a lot of things happened. But let me tell you what I did when that happened. I was sitting at my round table there at my house. And Chris was gone to town or somewhere else. She wasn't there. And when that happened, but as soon as I hung that phone up, I started talking to God. The Bible tells us we are supposed to give him our problems. We're supposed to give him our cares. We're supposed to give him our worries, things that go wrong. I simply took that situation and laid it at the foot of the cross. Now, there are people who says, God don't care about your tournament fishing, Jimmy. <laughs> well, I don't believe that. I, I, you know, this is Father's Day. Is there a father out there that doesn't care about every little thing about their son or daughter? Our Heavenly Father is even more than that. Even more than that. He cares. Yeah, he cares about that. He cares about the little things in my life, just like he does the big things. And I just laid that down at the foot of the cross. I told God, okay, this may be the time you want me to quit tournament fishing. I just got fired from a big lucrative deal. I might be able to go out and put some things together. But I'm going to lay this at your doorstep. If this is when I am supposed to quit tournament fishing, I'm in. You just let me know. If I am supposed to continue tournament fishing and serve you that way, you're going to have to replace this sponsor that I got. It's the big one. So I'm going to just lay this at your deal and you take care of it. Amen. Chris come in a couple hours later and she said... Uh, what happened uh, in your phone call, your conference call with Chevrolet and all the guys? I said, well, they fired us. She said, really? <laughs> and uh, I, it was just a shock to me, to be honest with you. I've been under 32 years. They basically owned the outdoor fishing market. Everybody drove Chevrolet trucks. Everybody, I mean, it was just, it, yeah, I'm not going to tell them how to run the business. That's General Motors. It's the silliest thing in the world they've ever done, though. But, uh, but they did. And they, 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 they started sponsoring. <laughs> This is crazy. They started sponsoring a, a soccer team called Man United. When they told me that, I liked to die. I thought, what in the world is that? I don't know anything about soccer. I'm a football fan, you know. 
real football, like they play up here at Norman. And, uh, but uh, real football, not the kind they do with that little round ball. But, uh, but it's, it's Manchester United. Is what, it's a soccer team. So they started sponsoring him like $100 million a year. And I thought, well, you wasn't giving us $100 million a year. But, but anyway, anyway, that's why they got out of fishing was to get involved in uh, the European soccer is what they told us anyway. But, but God set in motion because of what I did. When, when Chris came in there and I, I told her exactly what I just told you, and she said, well, we'll see what happens. And there's a lot of things that happen. A lot of things that God made happen, that God was involved in, that took that from there at being one of those all things that happened. All things, being fired, losing, you know, the best sponsorship you could think of, and turning it around into something good. And, and without going through all the details, because the details are amazing. I mean, it's a fascinating. I look at it and I say, only God could have done that. Only God could have made it happen. But we took a sponsorship, and I, I noticed wearing a shirt up there with Quaker State. I, I came that close to turning the sponsorship down. Because it wasn't a great big sponsorship like Chevrolet. Didn't replace it at all. It did pay the entry fees. There's no vehicle. A redneck would rather have that truck, you know. <laughs> I mean, but... But anyway, so but I took that deal. I took that deal. That and that and, and I didn't even know it at the time, but Shell Oil Company owns Quaker State. That's one of their brands. And I learned that and when I learned it I thought, well I'll take that because that's Shell Oil Company. We now changed over, we worked for Shell, Shell Rotella. They're a huge television sponsor. It hadn't you know, we only took that that sponsorship to you know the sponsorship to fish those tournaments to pay the entry fees. That's what it was. And from that led to a big television deal. From that led to involvements with O'Reilly Auto Parts. And now O'Reilly Auto Parts are not only, not only uh, uh, great sponsorships and a, and a big sponsorship on our television show, they become great friends. And, and let me tell you something else. If you have any doubt, and some of you might be thinking, well, those are some good breaks, Jimmy. You were really lucky. That was really for, fortunate. Fortunate and lucky and got nothing to do with it. There's no way anybody will ever convince me. It was nothing other than God working. And, and let me tell you, God will give you markers. He will give you things that will let you know that it was me. It was me. And, and when you do something that pleases God, he will let you know something and show you something that lets you know that, well, I'm glad you did that, Jimmy. And I could tell you some stories about that, too, that just blow your mind. You just say, how in the world did that ever happen? How in the world did it ever happen? But we got Shell Rotel as a sponsor. We got, auto, uh, we got O'Reilly Auto Parts as a sponsor. And, and the last, two of the last three presidents that Shell Oil Company has had were fishermen. Fishermen. Now, what is the odds of that happening? The odds are 100% with God. 100%. The CEO and the COO, which one of them has become one of my dear, dear friends, are fishermen and hunters. They bought a couple of boats from me. Of O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now, you might understand the president of Mercury Motors being a fisherman. Well, he's not, by the way. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but, 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 but isn't, that, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And, and, and one, of the, one, of the, 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 one of those individuals that at O'Reilly Auto Parts, and, and this guy's become a, a dear friend to me, but one, one, his wife came to me one time, and she said, Jimmy, I just want to thank you for being such a friend to, I won't mention his name, but to, and, and, uh, and I said, well, we've had a ball together. I've just, we've loved running around, which has been great. And he said, no, I'm not talking about the fishing part. She said, you've changed his life from a godly standpoint. And I look at that, and I think, and I think, God, what kind of God are you that you do things like that? And all I'm doing is just trying to fish a tournament and catch a little fish. And he's putting individuals in place. And I never told him he probably became co-president and CEO of O'Reilly Auto Parts because of me. Because <laughs> God just wanted him in the right spot. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. Don't y'all tell him either. 
But, but, you know, that's the way God works. God is working on behalf of every single Christian in this room right now. God's busy working for you. Think about that. Think about that. And if you're not saved, he wants to be working for you. If you're not saved, he brought you here just for that reason. Just for that reason. And, you know, the, the, the stories and stuff built around what I'm talking about, Chris has lived through them. She's seen all this happen. And the amazing thing to me about that dear woman is that none of that surprised her. I mean, I'm going, wow. And she says, that's the kind of God we serve. And I'm still going, wow. How did that happen? You know, and the president of Shell, president of Shell Oil Company got a new president here a few years ago. He's retired now, and they put a lady from Britain, that's, you know, not Britain, Denmark, Dutch, you know, Dutch Oil Company owns Shell. And they put a lady in there that I never met her. I can't remember her name. She, I don't suppose she fished. But the, they put a president in Shell Oil Company, and he called me up on the phone, told me who he was. And I said, I'm the new president of Shell Oil Company. I said, well, I'm glad to meet you. Why'd you call me? <laughs> I, I, know, I know a president's not going to call you and fire you. You don't have to worry about the president of the company. He had somebody else do that. And uh, he said, I love to fish. Can we go fishing? I said, yes, sir. God put him in. I mean, and, and then we had the lady... And now they've got a new president of Shell North American. And guess what he loves to do more than anything else in the world? And that's right, he loves to fish. God, and he'll do that for every one of his people. Every single one of them. He's working on your behalf, and he's working on your behalf all the time. I can tell you things. I mentioned something happened in the last couple of weeks with one of our social media pages where they demonetized this, and I don't know what for. We never have figured that out. But I prayed the same prayer because I thought, this deal about not worrying, about not fearing, like we sing about, that deal's pretty real. But we can't worry and believe in God at the same time. If we're going to take it and put it at the foot of the cross, we better lay it there and walk away. Don't lay half of it there and keep half of it to worry about. You've you got to do that. You've got to do that. But... I told a story in social media. They, they demonetized Facebook. You know, it's their game. Social media is very ungodly, in case you didn't know it. Most of you are on it. <laughs> but, it but we need to shove God down their throat on social media. And I get in a little trouble for that on there, but they demonetize us. It's several thousand dollars a month. And you can't talk to people. There's no people works at those companies. It's all machines. It's a bunch of machines, begetting machines, I think. And, uh, but, uh, but we appealed it, and they said, you're right, you are demonetized. Wait a minute, we were appealing to try to get... But, but I did the exact same thing when Sherry told me about it. I prayed to God, and I said, I'm not going to worry about this, but I'm giving it to you. you. You take care of it and have them tell me what I need to do or something. About a week later, we had no, we, we didn't talk to a single person other than machines and telling us to check this. We had violated their community standards, I think they said. And community standards, there's like no, uh, profa no, no excessive profanity, no excessive sexual deal, no hatred, no racial, no all, all this kind of stuff. We didn't do any of that stuff, I didn't think. And, uh, but anyway... About a week goes by, and I asked Sherry about it. I said, you ever hear, talk, get to talk to anybody at Facebook? She said, no, but I got an email from them today. We're back monetized again. And I thought, thank you, Lord. He wants those problems. That, 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 that's what he wants you to do. He, just like you fathers in, out here today. You know, the worst thing in the world is if your 15-year-old son or daughter won't come to you and tell you what problem they got. That's the worst thing. And we, because we as fathers know they can't ha figure that problem out on their own. They think they can. They sure can when they get to be 16 because then they become the smartest person in the world. Yeah. It wears off after a while though, doesn't it? We, we learned a little bit later that we're getting dumber. We're not quite as smart as we were when we were 16. But God is the exact same way. God is our heavenly father the exact same way. And irrespective of what type of situation you're going through, God wants to help you through it. We are fighting 
the biggest battle of our life right now with my beautiful wife, Chris. Uh, a little over 14 months ago, she had a severe stroke, a brain bleed that destroyed 70% of one side of her brain. And uh, I talked to the doctor that next morning in Oklahoma City Medical Center in Oklahoma City, which is a fantastic state-of-the-art hospital. And the guy told me she will probably never leave this hospital alive. That was the next morning. And he said, and if she does, she'll simply live in a nursing home in a bed the rest of her life and be taken care of 24 hours a day. Never go back to the ranch. Never talk again. I got a little upset with that doctor at the time. My daughter called me down, kept me from hitting him probably. But uh, my first thought, I looked down on his name tag, and it did not say God. And she walked out of that. She didn't walk out of that hospital. We rolled her out. (laughs) But she left that hospital alive. That's 14 months ago. And then God sends me this note through wicked social media of a lady that was told in 1981. That's the kind of God I serve. That's the kind of God you serve. That's the kind of God that if you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you don't trust God with everything you have, you don't make Him Lord of your life. Maybe that's why he brought you here this morning. So you can have a God like that in your life. Not for fishing deals. Not for somebody going to walk again. Not for somebody that's got a year left at 1981 or whenever she said it was. You need that God for eternity. You need that God like I did at 12 years old just as much as I need that God right now. Because without Him, you're going to hell. It's just that simple. That's the promise that's written in the Bible. That's the reason Jesus died on the cross, to keep you from going to hell. All of the other stuff, the mountains of blessings, one of those blessings was that beautiful girl right there. We've been married 50-some-odd years. Beautiful children, grandchildren, an occupation the fishing rod, professional fisherman, wasn't any such thing when I was 12 years old. No such thing. And yet God had it on that mountain. All of that stuff, totally unimportant when Jesus was hanging on that cross. What he was hanging there for was you. And he was hanging there not for 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, 100 years old. He was hanging there for eternity. 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 thousand years from now, 10,000 years from now. doesn't matter. When I walked down that aisle at 12 years old, told that preacher I didn't want to go to hell. If that's the only thing that God guaranteed us, if he just did that and abandoned us and let us go through hell here on earth, and we would without him, we do some even with him. If he did that, it wouldn't matter. Still be worth it. Still be worth it. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but 100 years from now, everybody in this room is going to be alive in either heaven or hell. Everybody that's ever lived and died from the beginning of time to now is alive in either heaven or hell. 50 years from now, most of us will be alive in either heaven or hell. I wouldn't want to live what years I have left here on this earth without Jesus every single minute of every single day. I wouldn't want to do that. But that's minuscule compared to what I've trusted God with. That's a little bitty tiny sliver of time with eternity. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that when I close my eyes here on this earth, when I open them, I'm going to be looking into the eyes of Jesus. And I'll be able to look in those eyes century after century after century. I wouldn't want to get in that truck and drive back to Murray County, Oklahoma without that relationship with God. 
It's taking a big chance when you do that. But I'm just telling you, if you're not saved, if you're not a born-again Christian, if you haven't asked God to come into your life and save you, don't leave here today without doing that. Do not leave here today without doing that. I get the opportunity to speak at 15 or 20 churches a year around the country. We've had, and this is, I've been doing this for a lot of years, we've had several instances where I've got letters from churches where you remember so-and-so that you met there, got saved that night, had a heart attack and died yesterday. One of them was one of the pastor's brothers, had not been in church since he was a kid, 50-some-odd years old. That man got saved at that event that night at that church. Three weeks later, he had a massive heart attack and died. That man was going to have that heart attack and die on that day, no matter what. Had it not been for his brother and those men down there putting together that event that caused that guy to come into that church and accept Jesus as Savior, he's in heaven right now. Where he would have been burning in anguish. We've had that happen several times over the years. And people will write me a note. You're not going to believe what happened. And it's not always somebody who's 58 years old. One was a 21-year-old young man. 21 years old. God says in the Bible we do have an appointed time to die. He'll extend that time too. Like the lady wrote me about 1981. He gives us an example of it in King Hezekiah. He'll extend that time. What Hezekiah did is pretty cool because Hezekiah, when God told him to put his house in order, you're getting ready to die. Same thing they told this lady that sent me that note. And Hezekiah started talking to God directly. And, and he did something I thought was kind of strange. He started bragging to God about all the good things he had done for God. God, do you remember when I did this? you remember when I did this? you remember when I did you remember when I invited Joe to church, come to church with me? That was good. Joe got saved. you remember that? And, and God told the prophet, said, go back in there and tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years. 15 more years. So God will do that. God will do that, things like that. But I'm going to tell you, if you're not saved, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior, don't leave here without doing that. This is a wonderful, wonderful church with incredible Christian men and women that are leading it. They do all that because they love the God that saved them. And they want to share that God and His salvation with you. So don't leave here without knowing 100% for sure that you are a child of God. Because it is the very, very, very most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And without him, it's hell to pay. That's exact truth. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.